Hi, villagers. How you doing? Friends, uh, friends at Front Street, uh, friends at the uh, the Sanders household. How you doing? Uh, Do you have a good week? Do you have a hard week? Are you mad? Are you sad? Are you glad? Are you thankful? Uh, yeah, I had a bit of a harder week. Um, and yeah, I wasn't able to necessarily bring my best uh, to this week. Uh, pure love is a difficult thing to give. Pure love is a difficult thing to give. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, love is tough. I know Jesus says, love God, love your neighbor. This is the sum of all the commandments. Uh, but we don't as individuals uh, or as a group love as Christ loved. Our love isn't persistent. Uh, sometimes it gives up. Uh, it does remember old wrongs. It isn't that 1,000% kind of love. You know, uh, it isn't all in. And so this all in series uh, is uh, going to be a challenge. You know, we have to just call a spade a spade. Uh, I am not always patient. I, I'm not always kind. Uh, I don't always rejoice when someone tells me the truth. Uh, and neither does this church. Uh, it's Is that hurtful? I, I hope not. Uh, I, that's not my intent. Uh, all in love is difficult to give. It's difficult to give. In our Bible... Uh, text today, we're looking at the Corinthian people. We're looking at 1 Corinthians 13, which I'll read in a moment. And these people had accepted Christ, but they didn't know what it all meant. Uh, and therefore, the concept of of grace, this, this powerful kind of love, it, it actually became just a license to do whatever. Uh, so you have in 1 Corinthians 5, uh, a man who is sleeping with his mother-in-law. And then in 1 Corinthians 6, you have a lawsuit amongst two Christians in the same church. And then you have in uh, in chapter 11, you have a, a situation where people are coming to communion and some people are actually getting drunk and other people are starving and they're leaving starving. And so... The church is really in a messed up sort of place. And, uh, and then the, the challenge, like it just, the, the ways of the world are entering into the ways of the church. And so the church has became another arena for the powerful to dominate the weak. Love dwindled in them. And so this, uh, this 1 Corinthians 13 is just part of a letter, a letter by Paul. Paul is just a pastor. Uh, Paul is just a pastor who cared for these people. And the Corinthians were really messing up. Their immoral behavior, their, their attitudes of the world were all like kind of undermining uh, the, the work that God was doing among them and the work that Paul had done uh, for these people. And so I, they had this small concept of love. 
and they had just taken it from from the world into the church and obviously you can't quantify it but when you look at like let's say the whole church uh let's say it was at like 63 percent 63 percent that's i mean maybe 64 percent let's just say 63 percent and and he says he says this to these people who have this 63 percent love If I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a, if I have faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all, all my possessions, and if I give over my body, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never ends, for prophecies, they'll come to an end. Tongues, they'll cease. Knowledge, they'll come to an end. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, thought like a child, reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see only in reflection, uh, as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I'll know fully, even as I am fully known. Now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. This is God's word. Let's pray. God, open our eyes to see love with fresh eyes. Amen. The good news in this passage is that even though in this church there, was a, there were a lot of things happening, immoral behavior, worldly attitudes, the powerful dominating the weak, the good news is that Paul did not get angry at these people. He did not give up on them. He just set about teaching them the 1,000% love that he himself had received from Jesus. And he just wanted to pass it on to them. And, and so when, when we're looking at this passage, I just want to pass it on to you. I want to do everything I can to pass on this love of Jesus. And everything I can. And so when I read this one line where he says, I know in part, but then I will know fully, even as I am fully known. That phrase, even as I am fully known. I want to focus on that, to spend all our time, even as I am fully known. Uh, Paul has experienced 
this 1,000% love. And he wants to pass it on. And he wants to do everything he can to pass it on. And so I want to read a story that's helped me understand this 1,000% love in a fresh way, in a deep way. And I would read this story every single month if I could at the village because I believe it's just so powerful. It's such a beautiful story. And you've heard me say it before, and maybe I'll do it once a year in my time here at the village. But the idea is, I, I believe that profound truth on love uh, can be communicated in a very simple way. And I believe that we need to have pictures of love right in front of us, just like this 1 Corinthians 13 passage. So I'm going to welcome you to meet Eli, the woodworkers. As I said, many of you have heard me share this story before. Uh, sit back and enjoy. This is from Max Licato. The Wemmicks were small wooden people. These little wooden people were carved by a woodworker named Eli. Eli's workshop sat on a hill overlooking the Wemmick village. Every one of the Wemmicks were different. Some had big noses, others had large eyes, and some were really tall, and others were really short. And, you know, some wore hats, and others wore coats. And, but all were made by the same carver, and all lived in the same village, Wemmickville. All day long, every day, the Wemmicks did the same thing. They gave each other stickers. Uh, each Wemmick had a box of golden star stickers and a box of gray dot stickers. Up and down the city, up and down the streets, they could be seen sticking the golden star stickers or the gray dot stickers on each other. The pretty ones, those with smooth wood and fine colored paint, uh, well, they always got one of the stars. Uh, some, uh, you know, if their wood was rough or their paint chipped, uh, they would get the dots, uh, the dot stickers. And the talented ones, well, they got stars too. Uh, and, you know, the people who could, the Wemmicks that could lift up big sticks high above their heads or maybe jump on tall boxes, uh, well, they would get the stars. Or those who could, could uh, they knew big words uh, and they could sing very pretty so songs. Everyone gave them the shiny gold stars. Some Wemmicks had stars like all over them. Every time they got a star, uh, it made them feel so good. And they would try to do something else and just so that they could get another star. There were many other Wemmicks, though, who could do very, very little. Uh, the, they got gray dots. There, were, there was one little Wemmick, and his name was Punchinello. Uh, he tried to jump high like the others, but he always fell. Uh, and when he fell, the others would gather around and give him dull gray dots. Sometimes when he fell, he would scar his wood, so the people would give him more gray dots. And he would try to explain why he fell, and then he would get 
He would say something silly and the lemmings would give him more dots. And after a while, Punchinello had so many dots that he didn't even want to go outside. Uh, he was afraid that he would do something dumb, such as forget his hat uh, or step in the water. And then people would give him more dull gray dots. See, the wooden people would agree with one another. He deserves lots of dots. He's not a good wooden person, they would say. And after a while, Punchinello believed them. I'm not a good Wemmick, he would say. A few times he went, the few times he went outside, he hung around other Wemmicks who had lots of gray dots because he felt better around them. One day, Punchinello met a Wemmick who was unlike any he'd ever seen. She, she had no dull gray dots, and she didn't have any golden stars either. She was a wooden Wemmick, and her name was Lucia. It wasn't that people didn't try to give her stickers, it's just that the stickers didn't stick to her. Some admired Lucia for having no dots, so they would run up and give her a star. But it would just fall off. Some would look down on her for having no stars, so they would give her a dot. But that wouldn't stick either. That's the way I want to be, thought Punchinello. I don't want any of these marks. So he asked the stickerless Wemmick how she did it. It's easy, she said. I just go to see Eli. And Punchinello asked Eli, who's Eli? She replied, yes, Eli, he's the wood carver. Uh, I sit in his workshop and I spend time with him. And yes, Alicia, why do you do that? She said, well, why don't you go find out for yourself? Go up the hill and visit with him. He's there. And with that, the sweet little Wemmick named Lucia skipped away. But he won't want to see me, Punchinello cried out to her. Lucia didn't hear him. She was too far away. So Punchinello went home. He sat near a window and he watched the wooden people as they scurried around, giving each other gold stars, gray dots. It's just not right, he muttered to himself. And then he resolved to go see Eli after all. Punchinello went up a long, narrow path to the top of the hill. And then he stepped into the big woodcarver shop. His little wooden eyes widened at the size of everything. The stool was as tall as he was. Like, it, it was, he swallowed hard. He noticed that the hammer was as long as his arm. He thought, I am not staying here. And he turned to leave. Then he heard his name, Punchinello, said the voice so deep and strong. Then Punchinello stopped. The voice said, 
Puccinello, how good it is of you to come. Let me have a look at you. Puccinello turned slowly around and looked at the large bearded craftsman and said, Sir, you know my name. Of course I do. I made you, Eli said. All of a sudden, Eli stooped down and picked up little Punchinello and set him on the workbench. Hmm, the maker spoke thoughtfully as he inspected the gray circles all over him. Looks like you've been given some bad marks. Punchinello explained, Oh, Eli, I didn't mean to. Oh, really, I didn't. I really tried hard not to. The maker said, Oh, you don't have to defend yourself to me, my child. I don't care what the other Wemmicks think. Punchinello asked, R Really? You, you don't? Then Eli said, No, and you shouldn't either. Who are they to give you stars or dots? They're Wemmicks just like you. What they think really doesn't matter at all, Punchinello. All that matters what is what I think, and I think you're pretty special. Punchinello laughed. Oh, me special? Oh, I, I can't walk walk uh, fast. I, I, can't, I can't jump. I, I, my paint is peeling. I, I make some silly mistakes. And, and I'm not beautiful like the other others. And how could I matter to you? Eli looked at Punchinello and put his hands on those little wooden shoulders. And he spoke very slowly. Because, Punchinello, you are mine. That's why you matter to me. Punchinello had never heard anyone say anything like that, let alone look at him like that before, much less his maker. He didn't know what to say. Punchinello, every day I've been waiting and hoping you would come to see me. Eli explained. Punchinello looked up at him and said, I, I came because I met a sweet lemon girl who had no marks. Eli said, I know, Lucia. She told me about you. So Punchinello asked, Why don't the stickers stick on Lucia? Eli said, Because she's decided that what I think is more important than what anyone else thinks. The stickers only stick if you let them. Punchinello looked puzzled and said, What? Eli said, Yes, the stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust my love, the less you will care about those stickers. But Punchinello said, I'm not sure I really understand what you're saying. The maker said, you will, but it will take some time. You've got a lot of marks, so for now, just come and see me every day and let me remind you about how I care about you. Eli lifted Punchinello off the bench and set him on the floor. Now remember, Eli said as the Wemmick walked out the door, you are special because you are mine. You are special because you are mine. I made you, and I don't make mistakes.
Punchinello didn't stop, but his heart thought, I really think he means it. And each time he remembered what Eli told him, and each time he went to visit and talk with Eli, one of Punchinello's dots would fall off. They kept falling off, and soon they were all gone. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are the embodiment of love and that when I am, when we are enveloped in your 1,000% love, we, we feel euphoric like Lucio. We can't help but share the love that we have felt and, and we're full of love for everyone. And we want to tell. We can't help but tell others. We can't help but be all in because we've experienced your all-in love for us. Jesus Christ, show us your love in a fresh way that we might be love to those we know, to those we work with, to those we come in contact with. In the strong name of Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen.